Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. This is Vision Sunday. And um, Pastor Jurgen tells the story about how years ago they had a Vision Sunday and, and a couple from the church came up to Pastor Jurgen and just said, Pastor, we're so excited for Vision Sunday. We're so excited to hear about the vision of the church. And Pastor Jurgen was like, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not what Vision Sunday is. We don't need to tell you the vision of the church. The vision of the church is really simple. It hasn't changed. It's to just plant as many fresh, real, and powerful campuses all over as we can. That's the vision. That's it. Vision Sunday is not about us standing up here and telling you our vision for the church. Vision Sunday is about us making space for the God of heaven to come and speak to you about his vision for your life, to download a vision to you for your life. That's what Vision Sunday is all about. Helen Keller said, the only thing worse than being blind is to have your sight, but have no vision. And so one of you know, it's Vision Sunday. We're going to talk a lot, a lot about vision. And just to make sure we're all on the same page, we're all speaking the same language, I want to give you a definition of vision. When we say vision, what do we mean? All right. Vision is the ability to see the invisible. And yes, that makes no sense. You're right. Vision is the ability to see the invisible. And it's a paradox. It makes no sense. But guess what? Welcome to the kingdom of heaven where things don't make sense. Jesus said in the kingdom, up is down, left is right, right is left. If you want to be exalted, you've got to learn to humble yourself. If you want to be first, you've got to learn to be last. Everything in the kingdom doesn't make sense. Vision, that's the definition of vision. It's the ability to see the invisible. And it's very similar to faith. Pastor Jurgen all the time talks about faith being uh, uh, believing that something you can't see will happen. That's the definition of faith. And one of the most famous sentences ever uttered by the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, he says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So the title of my message today on Vision Sunday is Walk by Vision, Not by Sight. Faith and vision are synonymous. We're gonna walk by vision, not by sight. So the way that today's gonna work, if you're new here or maybe been coming to Awaken Church for less than a year and so you haven't participated in a Vision Sunday quite yet, every, and Pastor Rudy and Pastor Gladys mentioned this, everybody has a card on their seat that says Vision Sunday. And on the back, there's some space. This is for you to write down your God-sized, vision for your 2024, okay? And like, you can't write down, I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. Boring, lame stuff. Like, don't write, you know, I, I wanna go to the grocery store once a week or something. Like, these need to be like big, audacious, crazy things that if the God of the universe doesn't breathe upon them, they're not going to happen. And so there's some space up there to write down some things. And at the bottom, there's a space to write three names of people that you're believing are gonna come to Christ in 2024. Now, if you say, 
all of my friends are Christians, I don't have anybody that needs to come to Christ, then go make some friends that aren't saved, okay? That's a bigger problem. You need to write that down on your vision card to get out in the world and not just hang around in some holy huddle, okay? On my vision card from last year, it's my last year's vision card. I'm not gonna turn it around because this is my vision. You don't worry about it. No, I'm just kidding. At the bottom, I wrote three names. And out of those three, two of them got saved last year. So two for three is pretty good. It's pretty good. That's a good batting average, you know, if I was a baseball player. And so I'm going to write down the, the third that didn't quite make it. He's going on, on this year, and it's going to happen in Jesus' name. And you'll notice the top of mine, if you can see that, is very frayed and all messed up. And I'm going to give you a little vision life hack. I use my vision card as my bookmark in my Bible. Now, if you read your Bible frequently, which is a good idea, you will be faced with your vision card all the time. And so every single day that I opened up my Bible, I was forced to be reminded of the big things that I'm believing God for. And so I would encourage you, take your vision card and use it as your bookmark in your Bible. And if you don't read your Bible that frequently, write that down at the top of your vision card, okay? Amen, all right. And so that's uh, the way that today's gonna work. And so, you know, even, even as I'm talking, I'm not gonna be offended if you're head down scribbling out some things. Like I want you, you guys, and, we, and we've been praying that God would begin to, to speak to you in this service um, for some big things to believe God for in 2024. So begin to, to write. And then what we're gonna do is at the end of service, we're gonna make some space. The worship team's gonna play. We're gonna have our team up here to, to pray for people and actually ask people, to, all of you, to get out of your seat, walk down to the front with your vision card, and the team is gonna pray over your vision card. They're not gonna read it and pray over every little thing. That's between you and God. They're just gonna agree with you and, um, and actually anoint that card with oil. And you may be like, okay, that's a little weird. You're gonna put olive oil on my paper card? I don't get it. It's okay. In the Bible... In the Bible, anointing to, means to, uh, so King David, when the, the prophet Samuel came to King, King David and chose him to be king, he was anointed with oil. And the, the placing of oil on something was a sign in the Bible of, a cho of God choosing, of God setting something aside. Um, and so that's what we're gonna do at the end of service. It's gonna be super powerful. Can somebody say amen? amen. All right. So we're gonna walk by vision, not by sight. I got three points. In order to have, uh, to get a God-sized vision for your life, you've gotta see forward, you've gotta see clearly, and you've gotta see through. See forward, see clearly, see through. So starting point one, you gotta see forward. So we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 19. If you've got your Bible and wanna flip there, Genesis chapter 19, and it's gonna be, it's gonna start out like kind of a weird thing on Vision Sunday, okay? We're gonna talk about the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, which... Just, it's gonna make sense here in a second, okay? So to, we're gonna read, a, it's a pretty long story. We're just gonna read kind of the back half of the story. So I wanna give you a little bit of context. And so in the Old Testament, there's a man named Abraham. And Abraham is one of God's favorite of all time. And so God goes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I love you, you're awesome. I am gonna make you into a great and mighty nation. And so Abraham is the very first Hebrew ever, the very first Israelite. The nation of Israel started with Abraham. He's the first one. And then God told him, you know, you're gonna be blessed to be a blessing. I'm gonna multiply your descendants, blah, 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 blah. And so 
that's Abraham. Abraham has a nephew named Lot. And Lot and Abraham were together for a bit and then um, ended up deciding, you know what, it's gonna be better if we part ways. And so Abraham went one way, Lot went the other way. Lot ended up settling in a little metropolis called Sodom and Gomorrah, these two, these two cities. So these two cities were incredibly wicked, all kinds of gnarly stuff going on. And God says, you know what, I'm sick of it. I'm gonna wipe these cities off of the earth. And then Abraham says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My, my nephew, Lot, is in those cities. Can you please hold off? And God says, you know what, no, I'm gonna destroy these cities, but I'll tell you what, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send two angels to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and warn Lot and the rest of your family. Does that work? And Abraham said, yeah, okay, that, that works, let's do it. So that's where we're gonna pick the story up. We're gonna pick the story up where these two angels have come into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah to, um, to warn Lot about this, the impending doom. And just hang with me for a second, it's gonna make sense in just a second. So starting, Genesis 19, starting in verse 12, then the men, this is the angels, said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, get up out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But his sons-in-law, he seemed, to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. And we're gonna, we're gonna continue reading, but what I want you to notice is, it's crazy. I've, I've read this story a hundred times and it was just like, I was so struck as I was, as I was going through it this time of the level of compromise in Lot's life. And what you see in the life of Lot is a theme of a man that does things halfway. A man that does things halfway. And even at the beginning of the story, two angels come to Lot and they say very, like this is serious, hey, God is going to wipe out this city. Go and tell your family that they must get out of the city. And then it says that Lot goes to his sons-in-law and says, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. And here's the sad part. His sons-in-law actually never made it out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They died there in that city, which means Lot just had no conviction whatsoever. Like literally the angels of the Lord come to him and say, this city is gonna be destroyed. So he goes to his family, goes, hey, y'all, I think something bad's gonna happen. You guys should probably, uh, you know, probably mosey on out of town. And, uh, and it, just, it says that his family was like, what? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. He was a man of halfway. He was a man of doing things in compromise. And, and starting back in verse 15, it says, when the morning dawned, I love this part, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city, verse 16. And while he lingered, the men took a hold of his hand and his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So the very next day, the angels go back to Lot and they're like, bro, it's about to happen. What are you doing? And then still, the Bible says that Lot lingered, just hanging around. Everything he did, he did halfway. He was a man of great compromise, lingering. And so then out of God's mercy, it says the angels literally physically grab his hand and the hands of his wife and daughters and pull him out of the city and set him outside a man of compromise, a man of halfway. 
So verse 17, so it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, the angel said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. Now, see this city is near enough to flee to and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, see, I have faith favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So it's crazy. After all of this, finally, like they've taken him outside because he won't listen and they say, escape to the mountains. And then he like tries to barter with them and says, oh, please don't send me to the mountains. I don't want to go all the way to the mountains. There's another little city over here called Zoar. Can I please just go there? Everything this man did, he did halfway. Everything he did, he did in compromise. And the consequence was, listen, if you live a life halfway, if you live a life of compromise, you and everyone around you will be stuck looking backwards. And that's what happened to his wife. His wife couldn't be focused on the future. She couldn't be focused on where God was taking them. She wanted to go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. She turned around and was turned to a pillar of salt. If you want to have vision, a God-sized vision for your life, you have to see forward. You can't look backwards. You can't be looking back at the disappointments of the past, of the ways that it didn't work out last time, about, oh, well, I believed last time and it didn't happen. You can't look backwards. You must look forward. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14 says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You cannot let the disappointments, the traumas, the mistakes, the whatever of your past dictate your ability to see forward. Otherwise, you're Lot's life, you're Lot's wife. You're, you're acting exactly like Lot's wife, looking in the rear view and your vision will turn to salt. We have to be a kind of people that see forward. And for Katie and I, um, and Katie last Wednesday preached so beautifully about um, this part of our story, but we um, have three children. We had um, Zeke, my seven-year-old first, then my daughter, Everly. And then we, it, it took us a bit to get um, pregnant with our, our third, Leon. And part of that story was um, we, as we got started to, to be ready to be pregnant again, Katie suffered a, a very, very painful miscarriage. And so it took us a bit to get pregnant and then we lost the baby. And it wasn't, it was a, uh, it has like a, a medical name, I can't remember, but it's something like a prolonged miscarriage where it's, it took a, a long time for her body to right itself and it was incredibly painful. Um, and it was like, I have to say this very delicately, 
her body was hurting and her hormones and emotions were also doing other things. So it was hard on us both, I'll say. And it was a really, really difficult couple of months for us. And what's crazy is after that, after we, we kind of got our, our, our feet back under us and kind of, you know, processing the loss and all those things, we started to actually downgrade our vision for our family. And we just said, and it's, it's subtle and it actually sounds a little, you know, holy and pious. We'd say, you know what? We're so blessed already. We have two amazing kids. We've got a son. We've got a daughter. They're amazing. They're perfect. Like, we're good. Our family is, is complete. It's awesome. And we actually allowed the disappointment of the past to downgrade our vision. And then it was a service much like this one where we made the decision, you know what? No way. We're not gonna downgrade our vision because of the disappointments in our rearview mirror. And we actually wrote down on a vision card to fall pregnant again. And we did, and we have the most amazing third child, this little man named Leon. He's like one year old and he's like, a, he's a freak. Like he'll grab, he'll grab my son's hair and just literally rip him to the ground. And Zeke will be like, Aah! and I have to be like, Zeke, you're seven. You outweigh him by like 40 pounds. He's one, but he's like, anyway, he is a, he is full of the zeal for life. We are, a, it, and it's like, it's crazy. Cause now in hindsight, Katie and I cannot imagine our life without Leon being a part of it. And we almost allowed the disappointments in our past to keep us from one of the most precious gifts we have. Can we be the kind of people that see forward? It doesn't matter what didn't work out last time. It doesn't matter, you know, the, the pain you felt. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I don't wanna trivialize it and, and make it sound like pain is not real or loss isn't real. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you have to be able to see forward or else your vision, your future will turn to salt just like Lot's wife. Can somebody say amen? amen? Amen. All right, point number two, you gotta see forward. You also need to see clearly. You have to see clearly. If you wanna get a vision, a download from heaven with, with uh, the kind of vision that you could never have dreamed of, you have to see clearly. One of my favorite stories is about a, a man named Dr. Yangi Cho. And if you've never heard of Dr. Yangi Cho, he, was, he passed away a few years ago, but he was uh, the, the pastor of what many believe is the biggest church in the history of church. He had a church uh, in South Korea that is at one point they think had over a million members. And to give you a sense of the level of impact that Dr. Yangi Cho had, he pastored his church in South Korea, which is about as big as the state of Indiana, okay? And this nation when he started the church was incredibly impoverished, where the, the gross domestic product, which is the GDP, which is kind of the, the very important kind of all-encompassing metric for national economic health. Out of 200-something countries, South Korea was like 89th or something, just completely middle of the pack. And in just a few short decades, South Korea I think even now has the ninth largest GDP in the world. It's one of the most prosperous nations on earth in part largely because a man of faith came in, started a church that turned into a huge organization where he preached the prosperity and the abundance of heaven and literally turned that nation around. And he tells a story when he 
first got saved, he first became a Christian, he had a radical encounter with God where this was, you know, he's, he, this was a long time ago um, and he had tuberculosis and they didn't have uh, the medicine to, to heal him and he was coughing up blood and he was only 23 years old and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. Like you need to get your affairs in order. If you don't have a will, you need to get that figured out. And he cried out to God and said, I'm too young. I don't, I don't wanna die. I'm too young to die. And, um, and God sent this um, this Christian missionary to him, he converted to Christianity, and as she prayed for him, he was radically healed. And it just set him on fire, and he just said, I'm gonna, this is all I'm gonna do with my entire life, is I'm gonna go around preaching this message, sharing what God has done for me. And so he starts out as a young man, 23 years old, in, in a, an impoverished nation, poverty everywhere, walking around on foot, just you know, going from village to village, telling people about Jesus. And so then he's, he's praying, and he says, God, this would be so much more efficient if I could just get a bicycle. And so he begins to pray for a bicycle. And so he's praying for a bicycle and the bicycle's not coming and he's getting really frustrated because he's like, look, I'm not praying for this for me. I'm happy to walk. This is for you, God. I'm praying so that I can be more efficient for you. It is in your best interest to send me this bicycle. So he's praying and praying and praying and the bicycle's not coming and he's getting more and more frustrated. And finally, he just out of exasperation, he's like, God, why? Why will you not give me this bike? And he tells the story that he, he hears the Lord speak to him and say, because you never told me what kind of bike you want. And so Yangi, Dr. Yangi Cho is like, okay, well, I want a red bike with 10 speeds and I want it to you know, have handlebars that have the little bell ringer thing on it and front and back brakes. That's the kind of bike I want. And he tells the story that in just two weeks later, someone shows up on his doorstep and delivers this exact red bike. And it's a, it's a, a beautiful story about having a clear vision. And if you just sort of throw out there Hey, God, yeah, you know, I want to own a home one day. That'd be pretty cool. It's just, it's a vapor. It's a mist. There's nothing concrete for you to attach yourself to. You actually have to say, like, God, I'm believing for a house in East Lake Greens. It's going to be 4,200 square foot with five bedrooms. It's going to have a backyard where I can hang market lights and I can host a connect group. Like, be specific about the things that you're believing God for. You, if, again, if you just sort of throw out there these, these, and what it is, and I'm sorry, I have to tell you the truth, it's my job, is it's, fa it's faithlessness. The reason you don't pray for specifics is because you don't want to be disappointed. And so it's easy to just kind of throw out there like, God, I pray that you would bless my finances. It's like, first of all, the Bible says you're already blessed, so you don't even need to pray that. You're already blessed. Pray for specific things. And here's what's crazy is Katie and I sat down with, um, with Zeke and Everly. Leon was already in bed. He had caused enough terror for the day. So we, we put, him, put him to bed and we were having dinner and it was um, me, Katie and Zeke and Everly. Zeke's seven, Everly's five. And we, we wanted to try to start to teach them to have vision and, and begin to dream. And it was actually really eye-opening because we were like, okay, you know, 2024 just started what's one like super awesome thing that could happen this year that just would blow your mind? That would be like so awesome and so cool. You know, we're trying to put it in like kid vocabulary so they can understand. And, and it was really like, you know, you'd think like they're kids, you know, like imagination's going wild and like Zeke would be like, I hope God turns me into a dragon or I don't know, something like that. But it was just like, it, it was weird. It was like, they, they kind of just were like, uh, hmm, uh, and then Everly was like, um, maybe, 
maybe we could go on a walk as a family. I'm like, Evie, we go on family walks like four times a week. Like, that's your vision for 2024, that we're going to go on one family walk? I'm like, come on, girlfriend, you need to step it up. Get it. I'm just kidding, I didn't say that. I thought it, I didn't say that. But what I realized is that having vision and being able to dream is not innate in us. It's something that you actually have to cultivate. You have to work at. And so Katie and I work at it. Like literally two weeks ago, we jumped on Redfin and we started cruising around looking at houses in Coronado. And we looked at houses that we have no business looking at. Like not even close, not even close. But I'm not doing it, God is. So I'm not worried about it, it's not up to me. And so I'm like, shoot, if I'm gonna be blessed, I might as well be super blessed. I don't want to be mediocrely blessed, kind of blessed. I want to be super blessed. So we started looking around at these homes and just, you know, you want to live by the golf course. Do you want to live Bayside, Beachside, close to the Dell? Should we live close to Jim and Kelly O'Connor? Oh, no, probably not. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. And, um, we, and, and we just allow ourselves to, and we would, you know, click on these homes and look through the, the photo galleries and, and, oh man, this backyard, how crazy would it be? Like backyard, we could do like, you know, connect parties there and do this and that and started to actually like visualize ourselves in a house that we are not even sniffing buying right now. I mean, not even close. But that's what having vision is. And we began to make it a reality by actually talking. It would have been so easy, so easy for me to be like, well, Katie, you know, our debt to income ratio is not going to support this kind of blah, blah, blah. And the cash reserves, we, you know, in a jumbo loan in California, the kind of, we did a little, 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 and I could have given her all the reasons why it's not going to happen. Or I could just dream with my wife a little bit. And so we spent a good hour and a half just looking at stuff. And we do it all the time for everything. We, we, when, when Katie and I are having, we sit out by our fire pit and we, we just start dreaming about our kids. Hey, what do you think Zeke's gonna be when he grows up? And we just start to, oh, you know, he's this, he's that. Maybe he'll be like that, and da, da, da. And we just begin to dream about our kid's future. We dream, one of the things we do all the time, and this, these are just little exercises that just unlock your creativity, is we just say, hey, if you could go anywhere in the world next year, where would you wanna go? And we just start talking like, man, you know, I've never been to Eastern Europe ever. Have you ever been to Poland? Is Poland cool? I don't know. I've never been to Poland. I've never even seen a picture of Poland. Maybe. Let's go look it up. And we'll Google Poland and look at Poland. And we just start to, to dream about random stuff because it gets your creativity going and it unlocks the limitations that you place over your life. Pray for things specifically. Can somebody say Amen. And lastly, point number three. So point number one, see forward. Point number two, see clearly. And point number three, if you want to get a God-sized vision for your life, you've got to learn to see through. And I want you to hear me. The kryptonite of big vision is the obstacles that you see around you. The kryptonite for big vision is your current circumstances. And it's so easy to look around at where you're currently at and not be able to make the leap of how in the world you're gonna get to where you're believing that God is wanting to take you. And that's the point. If you could, if you knew every step, okay, I'm gonna go left and then I'm gonna do that and then I'll do that and after a couple years we'll do that and then I'll be there, then your vision isn't big enough. Your vision needs to be so big that when you look at your current circumstances, like there is no way in the world this could ever happen. And that's the point because 
It can't happen unless the God of the impossible is behind it. And we serve a God for whom all things are possible. Limited thinking is the kryptonite of big vision. And I've told this, um, this story before, but it just was a moment that has, has um, spoken to me so clearly. And Katie and I, when Katie was pregnant with Everly, we went to um, Chicago for a week just to kind of do, you know, we always would do like these kind of beach things. And we thought, you know what, like, let's just go do like an urban vacation. So we went to Chicago and it turns out the Lord's favor was with us. And it was the finest seven days of weather in the history of Chicago. And um, we loved it. We had the best time. And one of the things you can do is you go, very touristy thing, is you go to the top of the Sears Tower. And it's 120 stories up or whatever it is. And so you pay like something ridiculous, like 70 bucks just to take an elevator ride to the top and get to the top and get out and you're in, in this kind of room. And then they have bolted on to the side of the Sears Tower these plexiglass boxes that hang out over nothing. And so you can walk out onto these plexiglass boxes and take a picture and then you have to pay like 70 bucks. I mean, it's crazy. They're making money hand over foot, just taking all the tourists up to the top of the Sears Tower. It's crazy. But it's, listen, I'm not afraid of heights, okay? Not at all. doesn't bother me one bit. But there is something like physiological that happens to you when you try to take a step out onto that plexiglass, okay? Like you literally... And then all of a sudden your knee, you're like, what is, why is this happening? And so you kind of get out there and then you take your picture, you know, with the people and then you get in the elevator and you go, go back down. And I remember, you know, we did it. It was great. It was fun. And then I, we walked back and I step in the elevator and something hit me. And as I'm in the elevator, I realized that in the elevator, I'm in the exact same position as I was when I was in the plexiglass box with 110 stories of just space below me. And the only thing holding me up is a couple of inches of structural material. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Then I get in the elevator and I'm in the exact same position. I have 110 stories of space underneath me and nothing holding me up but a few inches of structural material. But in the elevator, I'm totally fine. Pushing the buttons and just hanging out ready to go down. Why? because I can't, I'm not faced with seeing the reality around me. When I'm in the plexiglass box, I can see the cars down there looking like little ants. I can see these other massive skyscrapers that are like 60 stories below me. That's why the apostle Paul says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And it's not about like, you know, you, you, People think that means Christians just kind of cover their eyes and say, oh, I don't care about what, what's, what's really happening. I don't care what the science says. I don't know. I'm just going to believe it. That's not what it means. It means that if you allow yourself to see the reality of the circumstances around you, you can't walk by faith because the circumstances will talk you out of believing whatever God has called you to believe in. You have to say, you know what? I don't care about the circumstances around me. I'm going to walk by faith. One of my favorite stories is a story about a man in Australia whose name was Cliff Young. And Cliff Young was a 61-year-old sheep herder. And he, there's a race in Australia that goes from Sydney all the way to Melbourne. And it's 500 miles. And people run it, like on their feet. They run this race. It's one of those crazy, super freak, ultra marathon, extreme things. 
So people come from all over the world to run this race. And they're all like, I mean, they're like professional ultra marathon athletes. They're geared up in their, you know, neon Nike Asics swag and sponsored by this brand and that brand. And, and it's, a, it's a big, big thing in Australia. And so this guy, Cliff Young, 61-year-old sheep herder, shows up to the starting line and he's wearing rubber rain boots, khaki pants, and a flannel shirt. And they're like, oh, hey, old man, you here to volunteer or what? Can we? And he's like, no, no, I'm... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. And they're like, what? Okay, uh, well, the changing room is right over here if you want to get in your... And he's like, no, I'm, I'm good. In rubber rain boots, khaki pants, and a flannel. This is a true story. And they're like, okay, sure, man, whatever. Yeah, cool. And so him and all of the other athletes all line up on the starting line. And again, all the other ones are like, you know, elite fit people from all over the world that have come to run this race. And, and it's just sort of the way the race works is they just say go and it's just whoever gets there the fastest. And so part of the gamesmanship of the race is the strategy of how you're going to run and when you're going to sleep and when you're going to eat. And so people are like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to run 50 miles and I'm going to sleep for three hours and I'm going to consume this many calories. And then I'm going to run another three hours and then I'll sleep 30 minutes or, you know, whatever. That's part of the strategy of the race is how you're going to break it up. And so the gun goes off and everybody takes off running and then Cliff Young, Cliff Young just goes, And just starts going. And after day one, Cliff Young is in dead last. And not by a little bit, by a lot. Okay? And so the race normally takes about seven days. And like the, the every year, someone would like shave off like a minute or two off of the world record time. It would be like seven days, three hours, and four seconds. And then it'd be like seven days and two hours or whatever. And so five days into the race, Melbourne gets a call. And they're like, hey, someone's about to finish this race. And they're like, no, 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 we still got two days. We're not ready. No one's crossed the finish line. And they're like, no, I'm telling you, someone is about to win this race. You need to get down to the finish line or you're going to miss it. And so they're like, what? How in the world could somebody be two days ahead of this crazy? So they're getting the cameras all mobilized and get the, the crews out there. And so they get out there just in time to see Cliff Young cross the finish line. And everyone is losing their mind. This is a true story. You can look it up losing their minds, like all the reporters, like, Cliff, what? How, how did you do it? How did you, what, what was your strategy? When did you sleep? How did you, what, how'd you break it up? And Cliff just kind of looks at him and goes, oh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to stop. <laughs> and so this 61-year-old sheep herder, when the gun went off, just ran. And for five straight days, he ran, never slept, never stopped, not because he's some super, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have something wrong with you to be able to do that, okay? I'm not saying. But the reason is because he didn't have the limitations of the way it's supposed to work on him. He didn't know that you're supposed to stop. He didn't know that the only way to do the race is to break it up and sleep and do the things. He didn't know. So he, didn't, he wasn't bound by that limitation. So he just ran it. And Shea, a 61-year-old man shaved two days off of the world record of this race because he wasn't bound by the limitations. Isaiah uh, 8, 11 in the New Living Translation says, the Lord has issued me a strong warning not to think like everybody else. Hear that. The Lord has issued me a strong warning not to think like everybody else. If you're thinking like everybody else, God is saying, don't. 
by stern warning. It's not like he's like, oh, hey, you know what? Your life's gonna go a little bit better if you just don't think like everybody else. Like a, a severe warning. Don't think like everybody else. And it's so easy to slip into thinking like everybody else. Oh, well, you know, everybody says when you start a business, it's gonna take at least three years before you're profitable. And, you know, 90% of all startups fail and da, 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 da. And, you know, everybody at my company gets a 3% raise every year and then you do that. And then maybe if you're like, da, 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 that's the way that everybody else thinks. If that's the way it works for everybody else, good for them. That doesn't mean that's the way it's gonna work for me. I serve the God of the impossible. Don't think like everybody else. Don't think like everybody else. It's, you, you have to learn to see through the obstacles around you. The, the reason they call it provision, provision, is because it's meant to fund the vision. That's the whole point of provision, for the vision. And so some of you are believing God for more finances, more provision, and God's like, well, hey, if you didn't have such a rinky-dink vision, then maybe I could give you some more finances. Your, your rinky-dink vision doesn't need any money to do anything, so I don't need to give it to you. Why don't you upgrade your vision, have a vision so big that God has to bless you to provide the resource, to provide the pro-vision for a God-sized vision. You have to learn to see through the obstacles, see through the noise, see through the reality of where you are right now and walk by faith, not by sight. About 18 months ago, Katie and I thought it would be awesome to go in to Pastor Jurgen's office and say, Pastor, we've got a vision for a campus on Coronado Island. And he was like, all right, cool. Yeah, sure, knock yourself out, whatever. And we were like, that's it? Okay. And then we went and got started. And it has, it has come with some challenges, I will say. I'll be careful what I say because this message is podcasted. And it would have been very easy at several points along the way to be like, what? why are we doing this? I don't need this. I got a lot of other stuff going on. I'm a businessman. I'm a father. I've got, a, I've got an amazing church I'm in love with right now. I don't need two of them. I love this church. I love you guys so much. It would be so easy to look around at all the noise, at all of the obstacles, of all of the opposition, of all of the vitriol and the hatred, the nasty things that people have said about me, my wife, my kids, my church, and just say, okay, you know what, eh. But I walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm gonna walk by faith. I'm gonna believe the word of God when it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. And so on January 28th at the Hotel Del Coronado, we are gonna have our very first preview service for the Coronado campus of Awaken Church. And I don't care how much hatred, I don't care how many protesters, I don't care about any of that because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care about the opposition because we're gonna be a church that walks by faith, not by sight. We're gonna be a church that walks by faith and not by sight. And so for you, can you clear your mind of all the noise, of all the disappointments, all the things that have happened in the past? And right now, as you begin to fill out your vision card, can you believe God again? Believe him for something big, 
for something that feels like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm, I'm writing this down. This is crazy. This could never happen. And that's the point. If it could never happen, then it means you need God to do it for you. And that's the point. And so what we're going to do is um, I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team join me up here on stage and ending about 10 minutes early so that you have plenty of time to just sit in your seat. The worship team's going to be playing and want you to take some time to, to begin to fill out your vision card. And maybe... You know, maybe you want to go home and spend some time talking with your spouse, and, and that's great, and that's fine. But I, I would encourage you to actually write something down on it right now today. Even if it's just a couple things, you're going to fill out the rest of it later, that's fine. And what we're going to do is once you've uh, filled that out um, to as much as you're going to today, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. We're going to have, I'm going to go and ask the team to join me up, up here right now. We're going to have uh, members from our ministry team up here ready to pray with you. And we're gonna have you walk out of your seat, come down to the front. They're gonna anoint your, your vision card with oil, say a quick prayer with you. They're not gonna pray through every single item, not gonna do anything like that. It's just gonna be a quick prayer of agreement. And so wanna encourage you to don't rush through this. If you're with your spouse, maybe take some time and pray with your spouse, fill some things out together. If you're, uh, you know, whatever, just, just spend some time in prayer, just letting God give you a, a download for what 2024 is gonna be. I wanna encourage you, to do that. And we, we love you, church. It's going to be the best year yet. 2024 truly is going to be 2020 more. So let me pray for us really, really quick. And we'll, we'll uh, close out service. God, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. You are the God of the impossible. We thank you right now for fresh vision coming to the Eastlake campus of Awaken Church. We declare right now every lie of the enemy that would seek to whisper that this can't happen. You're not worthy of it. You're not good enough. You don't have the skills. You don't have the talent. We silence those lies right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare, we declare fresh vision coming. I even see resurrected dreams coming. Dreams that died in your heart years and years and years ago that you've, you've been fr afraid to pick up again for fear of, of walking through the heartbreak again, of walking through the heartache again, then I just see resurrection power coming, just like Lazarus, where Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was brought back from the dead after four days. I see that happening in the dreams of people right now. God, we thank you for vision. We thank you for provision. We thank you for an acceleration in the Eastlake campus of Awakened Church. We pray it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.